0: Hi, I'm Ron Moorhead, and you're listening to the Paranomaly Zone.
1: Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. It does happen. A ghostly apparition in the dark of night.
0: Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, passes Hey,
2: there, ponderers of. The paranormal. You have found the paranomaly zone, your place for all things paranormal, mysterious, and strange. My name is Patrick Koffenberg. I am responsible for these shenanigans, and I am joined, as always, by my co host with the ghosts, the paranormal poster boy himself, <laughs> the roided up, Mike Carbno. <laughs> the, the roided up. The roided up. Mike Carbno. Now, please, I will let you explain the roided up um, mm. description.
1: That's that just means that I have Zach Bagan muscles.
2: Oh, wait, there you go. There uh, you no,
1: go. not true.
2: Not not <laughs> not quite. You have a little ways to go yet. A little ways.
1: To go. Yeah, uh, I've just been put on different meds here and there, and my latest is a week long regime of <laughs> of uh, prednisone a bit of a steroid which has helped part of my issue um but the worst parts or some of the worst parts are are still quite prevalent like the stabbing knives into my joints
2: good lord and that's not from your from your lovely lady friend mary either she's not no. literally stabbing you let's make that very clear we do have new we do have new listeners every now and then so uh <sighs> let's make that very very clear mike is obviously referring to his <laughs> Uh, nearly indescribable battle against uh, severe back pains. And, you know, we won't, yeah. we won't bore everyone to death with it, but it's something that right. you've been s- literally struggling with for a long time. And we're, mm. we're you're trying to find some sort of, uh, yeah. I don't want to say cure relief from right. this. relief
1: is the best way to put it. I've always had the back problems, but then on top of that, my joints have started getting crazy. And yeah. um, my doctor is well, yesterday it took like six vials of blood out for different tests. And um, she said uh, they're going to test for some kind of weird arthritis is the way she put it.
2: Oh, nice. Which, you know, <laughs> that's reassuring. <laughs>
1: but I was looking on the paperwork and it's of course, rheumatoid they're checking for and things like that. And um, lupus was mentioned. Um,
2: you know, as long as they don't like come back to you a couple of weeks from now and say, yep, You are suffering from carbnotoid arthritis.
1: Yes, (laughs) carbnotoid.
2: It's it's such a rare form that they name it after you. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, There's one other person in southern China, just one person. Right. right. A 98 year old man named (laughs) Xinghua. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, they, they had no name for it and, you know, and they did, they just didn't want to spell out Jean name more often, you know, yeah. carbonatoid is easier. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man, that's, uh, it, it's, we all feel for you, Mike, and we're hoping for the best fingers crossed. Um, you did say that you're feeling a little bit better tonight, so that's good.
1: Yeah. The steroids seem to have uh, helped, uh, my feet issue that have had a lot of pain and whatever, but, uh rest of it not not quite but
2: uh, we have i'm still of- i
1: still have three days left of my
2: right steroids
1: well, and my dog is
2: i know i was gonna say apparently your needs dog is to be is, all your dog is on roids <laughs> tonight apparently again so time right.
1: to get the whip out
2: yeah <laughs> no no don't even joke about that we'll get taken uh, no, down we'll nope. get taken down
1: <laughs> no i have no whip well i have a <laughs> I have a uh, a very soft one with oh, yeah. um, with a a boa type handle. Well,
0: there you go.
2: That, that is works.
1: Put in a certain corner of the bedroom.
2: Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> I,
1: no, just nothing, kidding. Nothing. I don't even have one of those.
2: TMI, Mike.
1: Yeah, Good don't even word. have one of those. But okay. uh, my dog is well loved. Never hurt.
2: I thought you were going to say the only never whip. abused. I thought you were going to say the only uh, whip you had was cool whip, but you didn't go there. Cool way. whip. Yes, cool whip. Yeah. Cool whip cool whip <laughs> well we are here though mike this is the paranomaly zone uh thank you for making the time and effort to join me tonight mike this is friday february 25th uh whenever you listen to this it will not be friday That's right. 25th 2022 it, well it could be you might mm-hmm. listen to it immediately afterwards when, when i release it in a couple hours but uh we're talking the green briar ghost tonight mike mm-hmm. um that's the main focus and one last take on the Minnesota Iceman. That's gonna be yes. fun to talk about that. I know that we mentioned it back in the day when we were the alternate route podcast. We talked briefly about the Minnesota Iceman, but I don't think we've really ever We did. I don't think we did a too deep dive of too no. deep of a dive into it. So I think it's a good topic for one last take. Uh we're gonna change up the one last take a little bit. If um, you have been listening to us for a while. Uh our one last take usually ends with Mike and I ranking uh, on a scale of one to 10, our level of belief of any number of cases, any number of cryptids, any number of paranormal stories, yada, 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 uh, 10 be an absolute belief. One be an absolute hogwash. I say nay to that idea now, Mike. Yes. And I I, 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 and you agreed with me earlier or you, you think I, I had no choice. Idea? Yeah, that's right. You have no choice. Speaking about whips, I have the whip around <laughs> Mr. Carmel. That's for sure. Um, he
1: has an internet web whip. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Web whip.
2: Ah, good Lord. whip. That sounds kind of <laughs> gross, but uh,
1: that's a special site to go to. That there. is a
2: very special site. Yeah. <laughs> we have the Patreon site, and then we have the Web Whip site. Um, I lost my train of thought now. Oh, yeah, back to one hot one last take. We're just gonna say either BS or believer, Mike. BS or believer when it comes to these topics. So tonight, you and I are gonna have to choose one <laughs> or the other. No matter okay. how close you could be a a nine out of ten or, or 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 you know even um you know five out of five halfway where you're you're literally straddling the fence. But, but I
1: gotta you, make a choice. You
2: have to make a choice. Right. So that'll be interesting. Um, when I texted you, mm-hmm. uh, last night I was perusing through said topics and you know potential topics and I came across you know the Greenbrier Ghost and I was like, oh yeah. And when I mentioned it to you, you're like, yeah, that, that actually sounds familiar. So I'm going to ask you right now, Mike, straight up, how familiar with the story are you? And when you thought it sounded familiar to you last night, were you thinking of something else or was this actually what you were thinking uh, of?
1: It is actually what I was thinking of, but I, I just knew very little detail on it. I. I have never really dug very deep into it, but um, yeah, same here. I've had a, a just a passing knowledge, I guess you could say.
2: Right, right. Well, it's definitely it's definitely a fascinating. Uh, I don't wanna, it is. I don't want to call it a legend because it's a it's legit story. It legit happened. Right. Whether or not there's a paranormal connection to it, that's still up up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're gonna dive into all that here shortly. But you know, long story long story short, this case, the Greenbrier ghost case can quite legitimately be called Mike the 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 only ghost case to actually help win a murder conviction in court. Right.
1: Even yeah. though they didn't actually bring it up during the trial. Well, they, they but, but they but they did um reopen it because of the ghost story.
2: Yeah, it's 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 quite fascinating the de- the the details of this. Um Mhm. Yeah. Uh, well, without any further ado, let's just dive into it. I'm ready. Does that sound okay, Mike? Sound okay to you? I'm ready. <laughs> now, the Greenbrier ghost case involves a tragic death of one Elva Zona Hester Shue. And we were joking earlier today, Mike, or before we went on air, about all these people seem to have about 97 names, right. <laughs> so, which, is, which is wonderful. Um, and
1: she goes by her second name.
2: Yeah, preferably Zona. Zona Hester. Yes. Zona Hester Shoe. A pretty young bride. Uh, married to a handsome young man. Everything seemed a hunky-dory. Her handsome young husband was Erasmus
1: Stribbling Trout Shoe.
2: There you go. There you go, Mike. Right there. Um
1: and this was in Greenbrier Greenbrier County, West Virginia. That's where the Greenbrier comes from, by yes. the way.
2: Now, Shortly after their marriage back in 1897, I believe they're only married for a few months.
1: Right. Um, Met him in 1896 and married in 1897.
2: Okay. Uh, Zona tragically died. Uh, It was initially thought that she had died from complications of childbirth or perhaps Mm -hmm. from heart failure. But that's where the mystery began, Mike. Um it is well-known, well, I should say it was well-known among family members and friends that Zona's mother, Mary J. Hester, was not a fan of Mr. Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe. Who went by the name of Edward? So let's just call him Edward. It's easier to Edward. say Edward instead of Erasmus Stribbling. Yes. So <laughs> You can call me Ed or Erasmus Stribling. What, what am I going to choose? I'll say Ed.
1: Yeah, Ed or Erasmus.
2: Erasmus Stribling.
1: Okay. Um, Mary Erasmus. <laughs>
2: And um like okay, I'm repeating myself, but her mom was not very fond of Mr. Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed. Mr. Yeah, Mr. Ed. Ed. She <laughs> not did not, not like the horse. Not the horse, but uh Mr. Edward Trout. She- she- me. Thank you. That, well, that was a very good Mr. Ed imp- uh, impersonation, and you're totally sober.
1: So... I am Mr. Ed. Wow. Wow. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good Ric Flair you did right there.
2: Oh, was it? Hey, it's his birthday well, today by the way. That's a Really? Of, that's kind of coincidental that um you said that and <laughs> that I did that. Maybe the spirit of Ric Flair just yeah. burst through <laughs> me somehow. <laughs>
1: But he's like ninety years old now, and he has a road map for a forehead. <laughs> he does.
2: Oh my gosh! I know.
1: Like yep. dusty roads, his forehead was just a mess.
2: Yep, yep. <laughs> those bladers, man. They have those those old school wrestlers. All their foreheads just and
1: cauliflower ears. Yep.
2: <laughs> anyway. Anyways, so. Yeah, we're already off track. This this is what we're yeah. all about in paranormal All zone. over the place. <laughs> you know, we we tend to go on rants and uh, talking little... about
1: a murdered woman. And we end, end up talking about Ric Flair.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, yeah. Oh my and... goodness gracious. Yeah. Another one, like another wrestler whose forehead was absolutely disgusting, was Bruiser Brody. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with yeah. that name. He unfortunately yeah. was died in a, in a in a in a still basically unsolved murder mystery. But um, that's another thing altogether. Hmm. Okay, back to the story at hand. Zona Hester Shue was discovered dead in her house by a young boy who was a neighbor. I'm not exactly sure the exact distance, how far away he was, but uh, the story goes that Edward had actually left his shop at the blacksmith, and he went to said neighbor's house, and he just happened to say, oh, hello, son, it was the son of the house there. I don't know exactly where the parents were at the time. He said, "Do you mind going back to our house and checking on on Zona and see if she wants anything in town while I go to town?" So yeah, that's you know okay. I guess that's kind of suspicious it's right away. It's like, why don't you go ask? Right, you're her, her, her damn husband. <laughs> <What>? um, <laughs> so th- the son did such thing, and he, uh, as I mentioned, he discovered her dead body. Unfortunately, now we have to backtrack a little bit here, going back to the dislike that Mary Hester's or that uh, Zona's mother Mary had for. Mr. Erasmus. I keep on saying I was going to call him Ed, and I call him Erasmus all the time. I didn't <laughs> make up my mind. Uh, she did not, she was not aware of the fact. So this has nothing to do with her dislike of Mr. Ed. She didn't know they already had a, a, a criminal record before yes, going marrying, back
1: a few couple of marriages.
2: Right. Um, and his prior marriages had ended mysteriously. Well, like one his
1: of, first marriage. Uh, was very uh, uh, he was very cruel reportedly to her and then also to the second one and she ended up dying of mysterious circumstances.
2: Absolutely, I believe I read that it was he claimed that she died from a brick falling and hitting her on the head when he was doing construction. <laughs> yeah, with work. his hand
1: attached to it. Right.
2: Well, he was saying that it fell from like he was <laughs> doing construction work on the roof or whatever he was doing something and the brick accidentally fell and killed. So, and the, I think the wife prior to that had divorced him after Ed just got up and left, and so mm-hmm. and he he left her. Did he have a family? I, I I we'll figure that out here in a second. Here I'm gonna yeah I some, don't recall. Prove some of these facts here while we banter back and forth. Yeah, unhappily married twice before. Yep, the first wife divorced him after he abandoned her and their child. So yes, yes, he did have mm. a family. And here it is again. The second died when he claimed to have accidentally dropped a brick on her head while he was making repairs on the roof. And that was in Pocahontas County. So the only thing we really know for sure besides the mysterious circumstances of his prior marriages is that uh, Mary Mary J., the mother, did not have uh, warm feelings towards, towards <coughs> Ed. So her daughter, Zona, naturally being smitten and going against her mother's wishes, essentially eloped. With with Mr. Ed. Wearing a, um, which coincidentally, she eloped wearing the same high-colored burgundy dress that her husband would end up dressing her in after her death, her mysterious death. <coughs> now this all started to go down on the morning of 18, mor- on the morning of her death in 1897, according to the Monroe Watchman. I've said this already, but she left this black mist shop and went to a nearby house asking the son to see if Mr. Shu wanted to send to the store for anything. Mrs. Shu wanted to send to the store for anything. And the boy, like I said earlier, found her lying on the floor dead. Now it says the Greenbrier Independent later would report from Trout Shu's trial for murder that after Dr. Knapp, one Dr. Knapp was sent to the house and unable to resuscitate Zona, Shu request. this is Edward Shu requested the, doc, the doctor to, quote unquote, make no further examination of the body that he assisted in dressing the body and in doing so put around the neck a high collar and a large veil. Several times folded and tied in a large bow under the chin that the head was also observed by a number of the witnesses to be very loose upon the neck and would drop from side to side when not supported. And that's what Dr. Knapp wrote down. Okay, let's think about that for a second. How suspicious would you be immediately, Mike? I mean, come on this husband was acting all distraught and emotional and he's like, he, Oh, I'm not going to let you examine my wife. You know, that's very suspicious. Yes. You know, at the same time you understand this. Okay. You're emotional, but you have to still let the professionals do their job.
1: Right. You you get the thought of there's something being, trying to be hidden or distracted from Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. at that point, specifically aimed at the neck region. Right. (laughs) Um, those descriptions were fairly, um, well, blunt, you know, how the witnesses are surrounding the body noted that her neck, her head was essentially just bobbing back and forth. Uh, very yeah. flimsy Mike, uh, nothing to support it. Well, uh, and, and that can oh, go God, either it way. Gave, that kind of gave me the chills of thinking about that for some reason.
1: It, yeah. I, I have moved and, and, uh, um, repositioned bodies shortly after death and and uh you know especially before there's like any rigor mortis or anything right everything is pretty floppy
2: well sure okay. i mean okay. in in
1: general i mean i like a few weeks ago or like the last week i worked before i've been off um and not working because of my ailments there was a man that uh i had to hold him on his side and His legs just flopped off the bed. I mean, I don't want to get into graphic details, but. Well,
2: no, that's important. um, It just, and then
1: it's just, you know, it's just so, everything's so loose and, and there's no musculature that's working to keep anything from just being floppy, you know, but like somebody's head would be that way. But, you know, if it's extremely floppy, like, well, there's something definitely not right there, something more than just, you know, lack of uh muscles working keeping something in place right yeah it would be much more yeah floppy
2: no i understand (laughs) no no, i i get it i get and it's not that's very interesting mike i mean that's important to what you know that's that's relatable to this what we're talking about tonight so i'm glad that you brought that up even though it is disturbing (laughs) yeah i mean there's no doubt about that
1: yes and that that man he would would not stop urinating
2: well oh after that's, death. Okay, they talk about too much information right now, so uh, that's fine. Though I mean, that happens, that I know happens. it does. I know it doesn't. I'm not mocking the poor man's death by any means, but uh, oh, neither am I.
1: I have great respect, and I guess if I did have great respect, I wouldn't even be talking about this. So
2: carry on. Very true. Very true. That is very. What you're very? Are you wrestling with your dog right now, or what's nope. happening? Oh, you're just being. You're. You seem jittery, but that's fine. That's okay. Mike. Oh, Mike muted his mic. He's yelling at his dog. He's beating his yep. dog right now. Everybody, I'm going to report oh, no. Mike. I'm
1: kidding. The dog was trying to eat Mary's shoe off of her foot.
2: Speaking of shoe, (laughs) speaking of shoes, man. Yes,
1: uh, let's get back on track here.
2: So anyways, uh, Zona was buried with no charges made against her husband. Now that's when it starts getting really, really interesting. Zona's mother, Mary, said that her daughter had appeared to her after her death and told her what had really happened. Now, what do you, what, what am I saying by her daughter appeared to her after her death? Well, just that. Her right. mother claims to have been visited by the spirit of her daughter in her dreams. Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike will pause right there. Longtime listeners, ding, ding, dingy, ding, ding, know that we are very, very open to the idea of sleep being a method of communication with uh, those who have passed on. Whether it be on their end or on our end as to who initiates it, I guess I don't know about that one. But I'm pretty sure you believe in communication with the dead through your dreams, right, Mike? Oh, absolutely. Now... Briefly, why do you think that that is a legit possibility? What pops you into your brain when you think of dream, uh, dreams and communicating with those on the other side through your well? Dreams?
1: That's a that's a time that your your body and your mind are at their relaxed state, and there's nothing else cluttering your mind when you're awake, and it's a it's just an easy, uh, clear passageway into communication. I believe.
2: Okay, no, that well said. Short and sweet. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, creeps. People claim to astral project through their dreams. You know? Oh, absolutely.
1: I, I mean, believe in that as well.
2: I mean, who says that we really aren't? Who's to say that all of our crazy ass dreams aren't legit happening? You know? Yeah, and,
1: yeah. You, that's it. Could be a doorway into another another dimension during that time. Then that you're experiencing another another dimension.
2: Yes. Yeah. No, it's, that would I, be awesome. That's it's baffling and fascinating at the same time. Now. Uh, Zona's mother said that her daughter appeared to her in her dreams and told her what really happened. Mary told her account to the county prosecuting attorney. Now, he didn't initially dismiss her, but asked for names of people who might have more information. When the prosecutor spoke to Dr. Knapp and learned how the husband had prevented a full examination of the body, acting all weird and overly emotional, I mean, we get it, we get it, uh, like dramatically emotional to the point of being mm-hmm. defensive, not letting the doctor examine certain areas of the body. Dr. Knapp then pursued having Zona's body exhumed. And eventually that occurred. And eventually an autopsy was performed. Her neck was found broken, her windpipe crushed. Evidence of a murder by strangulation. That's right. Now, at Trout Shoes' trial, This is what Mary Hester testified. She said, quote unquote, it was no dream, according to the Greenbrier Independent. She came back and told me that he was mad that she didn't have no meat cooked for supper. (laughs)
0: There ain't no
2: meat. There ain't no meat. (laughs) How can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? Don't have no meat. But the second night she appeared, She told me that her neck was squeezed off at the first joint, and it was just as she had told me. Now, it took the jury only an hour to return a verdict of murder in the first degree, recommending Hsu to be confined to the state penitentiary for the rest of his life. This is another quote. Though the evidence was entirely circumstantial, the verdict meets general approval, the newspaper reported and so on and so forth, Uh, goes on to say that Shu died in the third year of his sentence from the flu epidemic of 1900. Mm -hmm. And no one from his family came to claim his body.
1: They knew what kind of a jerk he was.
2: type of a person he was.
1: And also, when he was uh, first put in prison, there was actually a lynch mob that was formed that was going to uh, (laughs) actually come and get him out of jail and hang him, but Mm -hmm. uh, they were stopped before they could do it.
2: Just think. Think about those two things that we just said right there. This person was obviously renowned for being an ass, like you said. Right. right? And it that's it's no coincidence that people were gathering to take him to his maker. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what you what you want to call that civilian justice. I don't know how you want to call that, but vigilante you know, vigilantes exactly. I found I did find an article, Mike, that I find fascinating to read, just because, well. Because it's the original article, the newspaper article that I was written really? about this from back in the day. I found this on WestVirginiaExplorer.com. dot The preface is as such: uh, the account of the Greenbrier ghost, as a specter of the late Zona Hester Shoe came to be known, has been retold time and time again, and we're we'll, we're retelling it again right now because it's it's no secret that this is a very well known case. Right, Nate and I are, are diving into it. We're not breaking any ground, but as is case, but as is the case in most such tales, the earliest versions are often the most true to form. Thus, we've endeavored to reprint here the story as it appeared in the New York Sunday American not long after the death of his antagonist. So, this story appeared in 1910, actually, so 13 years after the account. But still, man, that's that's fairly fresh, you know. Right, exactly. Not too many, not too many. Uh, I don't know what do you want to say. How do you want to describe it? Discrepancies probably could have been conjured up and by pure imagination by that point. At, eh, well, I mean, it still has been thirteen years, but that's a hell of a lot fresher than what would be if we if we reported on it now in twenty twenty two. Right. <laughs> you exactly. Would think, you would think so. Do you mind if I read a little bit of this, Mike? No, I'm. I'm intrigued. Are you intrigued, or am I boring you to death? No, and you I'm, never
1: bore me, Patrick. As far as you know,
2: well, as far as I know, right? <laughs> well, I'm not going to read the whole damn thing, but it's just—it's no,
1: I no, I want to. I, d- I definitely want to hear it, and I'm sure that our listeners, well, would like to think so too.
2: <clears throat> okay, this is the article from 1910. Possibly the most startling and corroborative evidence that mediums could offer to prove their contention. Of conversation with the dead, is the conviction of Edward S. Shue in Greenbrier County Circuit Court at Lewisburg in 1897 for the slaying of his wife. And there's a picture of his lovely young bride, Zona Hester Shue. Yeah, when they re- when they re- reference Edward as a good-looking man, he was. He was a strapping young lad. Looks like Zona Hester was a very beautiful young woman. Had their whole lives in front of them, and then this asshole decided to just be nuts. That I, I'm, I. That's not part of the the article. <laughs> right,
1: that's just a personal observation.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And it goes on as such. The state's case against this defendant, an apparent peaceable village blacksmith of the 1890s, was based entirely upon circumstantial evidence. Evidence that was dreamed by Missus Shoe's aged mother, aged mother while sleeping in her rustic home 14 miles away from the scene of the killing on the other side of the Sewell Mountain. I like how was, even in 1910 it says here, Ghosts' l- stories are legend. Dreams have come down through the centuries, but little credence has given their visions. But nobody has ever actually proved with the possible exception of Mrs. Mary J. Hester, mother of the slain Mrs. Shue, that the dead can come back in some form and communicate with the living. Mrs. Hester, beyond any semblance of a doubt, is an exception. So, right away, you get the vibe that they believe the story. in 1910 is totally mm-hmm. believable. There's no doubt about it. Yep, ghost came back and told Mrs. J. Hester about her daughter's slang.
1: Well, that isn't that like the in the the height of or the the beginning of um spiritualism and uh just great belief in in spirits and ghosts and and the paranormal it was just exploding at that time so i'm sure that might have had something to do with it too that they you know they hear these things that are, are you know recent history to them and uh um they really want to believe that
2: oh no 100 percent agree with that one mike mm-hmm. no i have another question i want to throw at you Okay, and we like doing this on the Paranormal Zone too because I love putting Mike on the spot, and he always, comes, yeah, he, always comes answers, he always comes up with great answers. he always comes up with great
1: answers. Always? Oh, I don't know about always.
2: Well, well, come on, you but got you got to toot your own horn every now and then. Mike. We come
1: shall on. see.
2: Okay, the question that just popped into my feeble mind goes as such: If this is true, if the spirit, if you want to call the spirit of Zona Hester uh, uh, Hester Shoe came back, revealed herself to her mother to explain to her that she was, in fact, murdered. She didn't die of a miscarriage. She didn't die of heart failure. failure. She was murdered by her her brutal husband. Why do it through dreams as opposed to, oh, maybe appearing as a full-bodied apparition? leaving clues for her her mother, physical clues, any number of things, leading her subconsciously to the site. Any number of things. I have a feeling I know where your answer is going to go on this one, but I want your reaction to that question, like your thoughts. Why would it be through a dream that she would appear to a mother?
1: You repeat the question, Bob.
2: I can, yes. Why no, would oh.
1: Never mind? <laughs> <laughs> um well Maybe that was the uh, easiest conduit at that point. Um, that's maybe what I was
2: uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah.
1: Um, maybe the the energy that that um, yeah. Zona had the the energy that she had was was more easily put in that direction, mm. uh, and maybe there is something that her mother had that she knew about her mother where that would be an easier way to communicate that uh, maybe her mother was a great believer in dreams and their meanings. You know, it it could go a lot of different ways. Um, I think, uh, I
2: gotcha on that one. The easiest
1: route of communication at that point is uh, possibly an answer. Um, Well, I
2: like what you said about, about energy though. Like it was, it's almost as if for whatever reason, she didn't have, the power to summon the energy required to appear as an apparition right. right
1: or maybe she didn't want to freak out her mother that bad
2: it could be as easy as that <laughs> exactly and all the sincerity mike and like you said too it could be as simple as she knew that her mother was a a, a hardcore believer in the meaning of dreams and so yeah. she's you know right. this is the. you
1: could put out a lot of theories and a lot of uh, right thoughts and ideas but
2: yeah oh yeah that we could go down a total mind-boggling rabbit hole on all and sometimes things. we do. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. Yeah. we're
1: due for another episode of something like that.
2: Some head scratchers. I Oh, mind,
1: yeah, some deep dives. I
2: want mind pulling out the old head scratcher. We haven't done that for a long time, yeah. Mike. Um, yeah, it's like, was she? you know, if she in her spirit form, in her, in, you know, in her ethereal form, is she only able to visit her mom through her subconscious state of dreaming in in, in deep sleep? Uh, she doesn't have the energy to do so any other, any other way. Is she aware that she's doing this? Is she aware that she has passed on mm. or does she think that she is still, a, still in the physical realm and conversing with her mother? I mean, my gosh, there's so many different possibilities about this. It's
1: yeah. Maybe she didn't even realize as a spirit, even uh, that she was communicating through her dreams it, right. she as far as she knew she was just talking to right her mother and that's just the way her mother um uh received it
2: yep that you know we're on the same line there we're on the same line of thinking <clears throat> now back briefly to a little this is a very long article so i'm not going to read all of it because it's really long really long <laughs> <laughs> don't let me forget mike um before we wrap this up, I want to read what there is like a plaque commemorating Zona Hester. That's
1: right. I read that. That's pretty fascinating. It's
2: very, very fascinating. You know, actually, you know what? Let's 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 read that plaque. I, I encourage everyone to go read this article. The original article back in nineteen ten. You can find it mm-hmm. on WVExplorer.com. That's West Virginia uh, the articles listed as the full tale. This internet is listed, listed as the full tale of West Virginia's remarkable Greenbrier ghost. It was published September fourteenth, twenty twenty one. So not that long ago. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely fascinating to read. I love reading old newspaper articles, Mike. It's fascinating. Oh yeah. Now this is the plaque, and you know, and what is inscripted on said plaque? Roadside marker commemorating the Greenbrier ghost standing alongside US Highway 60 Sam Sam Black Church says here Greenbrier Ghost interred in nearby cemetery is Zona Hester Shue. her death in 1897 was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband Edward Autopsy on the exhumed body verified the apparition's account. Edward, found guilty of murder, was sentenced to the state prison. Only known case in which testimony from a ghost helped convict a murderer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's pretty... I, I need Mike to find before... Again, another thing we need to do before we wrap it up on this topic. I wasn't sure if I agreed with you on that. You you are probably right. It didn't sound correct to me, so I I could very well be wrong about whether or not the ghost testimony was allowed in in trial.
1: I had read a part where it said that it wasn't brought up.
2: Okay, okay.
1: Um, but it was just a just a brief little thing where it said that. But um, uh, but even so, See, what that
2: I, it. I, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead.
1: Now, even if it wasn't brought up in the, in the trial, the ghost still had something to do with, you know, the trial coming about because of uh, um, the mother convincing the doctor to open it up again and do the exhumation and autopsy.
2: See, what I, what, what I was, how I interpreted it was, is that hurt that the, uh, the prosecutor was trying, when he was, Like, uh, not interrogating, cross-examining Mary J. Hester. He was trying to stick to like the facts of the case. He didn't want, Mm -hmm. didn't want to to talk about the ghost because he was afraid that that would make her sound basically crazy.
1: Right. Well, and you know, and what I read might have uh, just been another way that they explained that, um, and didn't you know, you know what I mean? I could have read a totally different article, but it. Instead of it saying that, uh, um, whenever it was brought up, he shot it down. Where what I read was that it wasn't brought up in the in the trial, mm-hmm. meaning the same. You know, meaning the same thing, only worded differently. Possibly, I don't know, but yeah, I, I yours makes more sense.
2: I also want to mention that the coroner listed initially the coroner initially listed the cause of death as everlasting faint.
1: Really, like every death is what that just hell? that means nothing.
2: What the hell, everlasting faint?
1: <laughs> Should Google that everlasting faint. That, that sounds like a, a really a... cool name for a band.
2: I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was just going to say that. We're everlasting faint. We'll be here all week. <laughs> uh, Man, I really want to find that now, uh, Mike. Yeah. Let's see here. The Greenbrier Ghost. I know this is great for the, for the listeners. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. We're at 40 minutes. Mike, let's take a brief pause. Let's come back. Right. Let's, let's wrap up the Greenbrier ghost, uh, ghost case. We'll clear up the facts. And uh, we'll dive into one last take on the Minnesota Iceman. How's that sound, buddy?
1: Hit the O-L-T on the Minnesota Iceman.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, hold on, everybody. Uh, We're going to take a brief time traveling excursion. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Okay, we have returned after yet another successful time traveling excursion. Mike, yes. Unfortunately, I think I was... I sound like an arrogant asshole when I say this. I think I was more correct, I think, closer to being correct when it comes to um the the mention of the ghosts.
1: Okay. In you were more writer.
2: But you were also right because the prosecution, technically speaking, did never they never brought up the ghosts because they as i as i mentioned briefly they didn't want the jury or anyone to think that mary hester was nuts essentially and they they mm. wanted to stick to the facts of the case it right. was Chu's defense team that kept bringing up the ghost story because they were trying to do the just that exactly sure and but the thing is mary hester was so convincing in her testimony that sh- her story never wavered and everyone bought into the story, anyways. The community mm-hmm. essentially, uh, again, Mike, as you said, it was a very, it was a time where it was. I don't want to say it was more common to believe in ghosts or not back then as it is now. I guess I don't know, but they were very, very open to that being a real possibility. So the mm-hmm. fence, their their <clears throat> tactics backfired on them, and right. so. We were both right. We were both right. Let's okay. Leave, let's leave well, it at
1: that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's because you can't accept that you could have possibly been wrong.
2: No, I didn't. Is that, that so wrong? Is that so wrong? I just wanted to be loved. <laughs> Is that so wrong? So, anyways. Yeah, right here. Um, The tactic. The, I'll just read this whole thing right here. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. The trial began June 22nd, 1897. Uh, Mary Jane Hester, a star witness, uh, the prosecutor confined his questioning to the known facts of the case, skirting the issue of her ghostly sightings, perhaps hoping to prove her un- unreliable shoes. Lawyers, on the other hand, questioned Mrs. Hester extensively about her daughter's visits on cross-examination. The tactic backfired when Mrs. Hester would not waver in her account. Despite their intense badgering, as the, as the defense had introduced the issue, the judge found it difficult to instruct the jury to disregard the story of the ghost, and many people in the community seemed to believe in it anyhow. Consequently, Shue was found guilty of murder on July 11th. Ooh, what a day. That's my birthday. And hmm. sentenced to life in prison. But technically, the Greenbrier ghost was never mentioned by the prosecution and played no part in the case against Shue, technically oh, yeah. speaking.
1: And that could have been what I read and I interpreted it in my own way.
2: <laughs> well, no, I think you were, I think you were right. Maybe I wasn't. Okay. Maybe I wasn't listening to you. I was probably ignoring you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that can't happen. That
2: can't happen. Well, I guess, Mike, um, we kind of touched all bases, you know, the main points of this bizarre, crazy and fascinating story. Yes. Uh, what are your final thoughts on it? I mean,
1: oh, I think it's awesome. Um, it, it's uh, it's a ghost story that uh, would be a great campfire story to tell, and um, something that is very feasible.
2: True. No, I, I gotcha. Yep. I gotcha.
1: And you cannot forget to uh, read the plaque.
2: No, do not. If you get if you happen to be near the area, definitely get a good shot of that plaque. Get a picture. Stand mm-hmm. next to it, take a picture. Did you read what was on
1: the plaque? I did, Mike. I did read. Okay, yeah, the. Okay, yeah. See, that's how much attention I pay to you, I yeah, guess. Yeah,
2: exactly. Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I remember you doing that now. Kind of. Um,
2: see, now, now I lost my train of thought again. I had a great question <laughs> yeah. I was going to throw to you. And I cut you, you off. He, well, you didn't cut me off. You're just talking over me like an asshole, but yeah. that's fine. No, um. This isn't like the only case that is... isn't known of i i don't want to say ghostly interference but basically of ghosts coming back to solve their own Mm -hmm. murders you know but it's so it's it's something that is so intriguing mike i mean let's talk about that very briefly let's talk about why something like that would happen and why it could be legit i i don't want to take any thunder away from you when I when I throw the question over to you, but I have to say that the energy there, the disappointment, the sadness, just the overwhelming emotions of having your life taken away and the person who took your life is seemingly getting away with it scot free would be mm-hmm. motivation enough to stick around and somehow, somehow convey right. convey your message. To anyone who would listen, to possibly help you out, right?
1: Yeah, it's that classic uh, um, unfinished business, mm. you know, that yeah. a lot of spirits have that keeps mm-hmm. keeps them here until it's till it is finished. You know, she was not going to be, um, you know, murdered and justice not being uh, taken care of.
2: Justice not being served, she wasn't going to sit idly, exactly sit sit idly by no matter what dimension she was in, right?
1: Exactly. So. That's uh, yeah. That would cause enough emotion for, you know, for that energy to, mm-hmm. to come through and do what they had to do.
2: Now I have to ask you this, and I have to because the 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 question just popped in my brain, and we're not going to spend time uh, a lot of time on it, but I have to ask you this. Now you do not buy into the notion that all uh, I guess ghosts, entities, spirits whatever you want to call them are remaining here I don't want to say on earth because they're not technically on Earth or in whatever dimension they're in you do not buy necessarily into the idea that they are all here because of emotional distress and because no. of, of you know, as you said unfinished business. And just total negative, just a total negative aura of, you know, surrounding them that's not allowing them to move on. You don't buy into that, right?
1: Not, yeah, not everyone is like that. I mean, what if there are some that are happy ghosts that are here because that's where they were happiest in their life? I mean, you do hear of that.
2: Okay, I was going to say, elaborate briefly on what what a quote-unquote happy ghost would be and why it would choose to be here. You kind of, you kind of briefly said it already, but elaborate a little bit.
1: Well, you know, they're doing things that made them happiest when they're alive. And, um, uh, maybe that makes them not ready to pass over, Mm -hmm. even though they could be passing over to a much better place. Um, it's something that they've been used to for so long and, and, uh, at their happiest.
2: Is a, if there is. If there are happy ghosts, Mike, who choose to be here, and I'm not saying this in a mean way, are they doing this out of their own ignorance that they still haven't learned that there are better things past that existence? You know what you do? You know what I mean by that? I mean they are they are past their physical existence, but they're choosing to hang around here instead of moving on to whatever it is after this. Yeah. Um. Is it because they are afraid that they they did they know what they know they enjoy what they enjoy and they're going to well i'm sticking around here because like you said mike i'm happy and i don't want to risk it basically i'm i'm content
1: yeah that could be that could be uh, afraid of what might be beyond mm-hmm. um uh, you know I, and i had a good answer and it, and it just totally farted out of my brain
2: well, that happens. It
1: does. <laughs> you know. It's lack of alcohol.
2: <laughs> no, it is not. It is not. No. Um It's <clears throat> I, again. It's you. Know, it, ignorance sounds like such a, a mean spirited word, but it really isn't. It's just mean. You're, you. It's. 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 I, it can be, but if you're ignorant about a subject, doesn't mean that you aren't capable of understanding it. It's just that it hasn't been taught to you. Essentially, right? Sure. So. Perhaps those who are here, they aren't, they're choosing to stay here because they are ignorant as to what lies beyond what is the next realm of existence for them. You know, they're, the fear of the, a fear of the unknown perhaps exists in the next life as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: Maybe maybe they live their lives as um, atheists and only believing that once you die, there's nothing. Great point they have died but oh there's i'm still here but what if i pass on to the next dimension or whatever's next yeah then all things blink out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so hmm, that's that's a great possibility
2: very great point i i i agree with that one too mike well Hmm. um okay again long story short wrapping it up mike you buy the green briar ghost story as it is reported
1: yes i can easily buy it um whether whether it was a uh, an actual ghost happening or whether it was the mother that that uh cooked all this up to mm. have have it reopened
2: thank you for bringing um, that up i for, totally forgot about that thank you for mentioning that because it it was mentioned we would not be serving the story justice it was mentioned that i mean we did tell everyone listening that the mother could not stand Erasmus stribbling. Right. So the notion has been tossed about. Did she frame him? Mm -hmm. You know, if you, especially if you are someone who doesn't believe in anything paranormal like this occurring, the first question that arises to them will be, well, how the hell did she know that her her neck was busted? How how was she able to describe it as such? Mm -hmm. Was she in on it? Was, did she hire someone to do this to frame Erasmus. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many crazy stories yeah. out there, but
1: uh eh. you can go in many different directions.
2: But you're you're buying you, you're you're leaning towards the paranormal and um, well of course that's just, just justice who being I served. Am. <laughs> well, as far as justice being served as well.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay. And this also was such a popular, popular um good tree. subject that's a nice
2: tree. That's a nice tree.
1: In later <laughs> years, there's actually this. I didn't even catch what you said.
2: I said that was a nice tree. Tree. Poplar.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> bum,
2: bum, bum, bum. Uh, anyway. Oh,
1: yeah. Okay. Go right um, This story was actually, I think, I I believe I read that it was uh, made into three different stage plays even. And a movie. And a movie. That's right. Yeah. So. so and I was going to say earlier on that this is the kind of story that movies are made of, which it actually was. It was.
2: It was. Yeah. So. So. Um, I'm with you, Mike. I think this is a legit occurrence. I buy it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so uh, that's not a beer can. What are you drinking now? Another Coke. Yes.
1: <laughs> Another diet cooler. Ah,
2: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, and he's drinking it with his pinky finger on. <laughs> yeah,
1: I did put my pinky up, didn't like, I? Like a gentleman. That's the English in
2: me. That's an that's a English gentleman. <laughs> this is British. Yeah. Well, that, that's actually his carbonoitis that's setting in right now. <laughs> or, or, or what I called it earlier today, Carb, carbonatoid. I don't know why yeah, I it, yeah. I can't remember what the hell I called it. So, carbonatoid. Carboritis. Yeah. Well, we're all wishing you the best. So, Uh, Yeah, uh, we encourage everyone, if you're interested in the story, to do uh, your own uh, further deep dives into it. Yeah. um, We basically covered the basics. Basically covered the basics? That sounds redundant, but...
1: We basically have. Yeah,
2: we basically have. Hope you enjoyed it. Mike, moving on to one last take. Are you ready, buddy? I'm ready. Are you ready? As you called it earlier today, O-L-T, because that's how I I text it to you, because I'm tired Mm -hmm. of typing out one last take.
1: (laughs) Yes, we shall call it O-L-T. Okay,
2: O-L-T. All right. Well, well, that sounds good. Now this this <laughs> this one last take has a personal connection, Mike. And mm-hmm. I want you to share us share with us your stories, your personal connection with the Minnesota Iceman. It's yes. utterly fascinating to me. Please <laughs> yes. let us well, let us in on your on your on your personal experiences.
1: From what I understand, the Minnesota Iceman, I think it was 1969, I believe. I saw something written somewhere about 1969 where the Minnesota Iceman actually went on tour. It did. And uh, went all over the country being uh, um, displayed up on a stage where you would have to walk up one side these stairs and you could surround, walk around, surround this, this container of the frozen Iceman. Right. And peruse it from head to toe <laughs> and then walk down the stairs on the other end
2: that sounds kind of kinky when you think about it it's like Oof, well. yeah
1: so it's for me i actually had um went to see this ice man at one of these things It w- it was like 1974 or something like that
0: okay
1: um so uh you know not very many years past the the time that this began its tour which is kind of interesting too. It's kind of cool that, uh, you know, what then that's the kind of thing where at that time there was all kinds of traveling displays of weird things and do you remember whatever that
2: you, I'm sorry for interrupting, hmm? but do you remember exactly where you were? Were you like at a, a, like a mall or a,
1: Oh yeah. It was the big mall that was
2: Did you actually say that? hadn't. Did you say that was, already? And I wasn't paying attention.
1: Oh no, I didn't. Oh, okay. Um, west acres mall in in fargo okay um okay gotcha uh the the mall itself hadn't been there for very long at this time and uh um i remember they just they advertised that this ice man was going to be on display there go and see it i think i think i paid like a quarter to go up and and you know something something really minuscule anyway (laughs) um but as a little kid a quarter you know that's
2: that's quite at a bit. that
1: time you know this yeah so i remember <laughs> the excitement that i had i mean the excitement of being in line the excitement to getting to the point where they took your money the excitement of being the next person to get on that first step up to see the Iceman. you know and i knew what bigfoot was i knew what uh, all that stuff was from you know through my dad and whatever so i was excited um but it seemed like it took forever, this line. I was, you know, a lot of people wanting to get up there to see this thing.
2: You know what this is sounding like, Mike? This sounds like Ralphie in A Christmas Story waiting to see Santa. Yeah,
1: yeah there you go. Yeah. You, uh, no, you know.
2: Talk about another Iceman. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but um, I remember finally getting up there and uh, and moving close enough and getting closer to this thing where you could look over into this. Uh, it's, it's this glass topped uh caskety looking thing and full of ice but you could see the ice man through this ice but you know how ice when it's frozen there's parts you can't really see through and sure you know so you can only see certain parts of the body and there's places I,
2: that are clear and places that are, are, are yep. opaque so to speak and i remember
1: starting at his at this thing's head and i was st- you know staring right down above the head looking down at the, this face <laughs> and and, uh,
2: how you know, were, you can see. How were you feeling? Did it creep you out at all? Or no, no, I was
1: just fascinated and, and excited. And um, I, I loved it. I mean, seeing this face, you know, like the eyes and uh, it was still not like totally clear, but you could definitely make out the eyes and the, the mouth and whatever. And, uh, um, and then you'd slowly move your way down, you know, as people would come up and you know look at other you know looking at it as you're moving down the body um i think you might have been able to see a one testicle and a piece of the penis too i'm not sure
2: now that's worth no. the price <laughs> of admission right there
1: no i i don't remember that i just trying to be funny
2: <laughs> <sighs> funny
1: without alcohol Fail. it's kind of hard <laughs> but anyway um come
2: on with that enough with the <laughs> lack of alcohol references. Yeah, no, it's hey, okay. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's fine. <laughs>
1: um, but, you know, you can see the hair in certain areas and, and it looked just this thick coarse hair, um, you know, and the leg and everything. And then I remember getting towards the end of it just before being done, looking at it before the stairs going down and I, was, I could see the feet and I got such a clear, clear vision and look at the toe, like like the big toe on one of the feet. And I tell you, it didn't look like any wax figure. It didn't look like anything that was, you know, badly put together. This looked like a freaking big toe of, of some kind of a living creature.
2: Was it a curly, thick, yellow a toe? A thick, yellowish,
1: black, fungal toe?
2: Fungal, God. ridden, yellow, thick <laughs> No, it was just, it was
1: very, very large, (laughs) large. The feet were large. Um, I I, I would, uh, I would say it was comparable to if you took this foot and what I could see of it and you made a plaster cast of it, you'd have like a big foot um, cast of a a footprint.
2: Now, did you have a time limit for the amount for how Um, long you could look at it?
1: Not that I remember. I just remember kind of, you know, you had to move along with the line, you know, and they did keep the, the line moving fairly. But I mean, I had plenty of time to to look at every bit of it that I that I could see. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't feel rushed or anything. And then I remember being done and walking down those stairs and just being like, you know, this is something I'll never forget. Well, yeah, you know, kind you, of feeling.
2: And you ob- obviously haven't.
1: Never have. Right.
2: And there were a ton of people there, like you said, right? Just a super long... A lot
1: period. of people. A lot of people.
2: And you paid a quarter.
1: I believe it was something like that. I can't say for sure, but I know it was something like that.
2: How did you get to the mall?
1: I That part, I don't remember.
2: Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah,
1: I couldn't... Well, I I bet it was my friend and I probably rode our bikes there.
2: I was going to say, because yeah. you didn't live too far from the, the mall area. I, that
1: time, no. I believe. I mean, by, it was a pretty good bike ride, but still not bad. Not
2: bad at all, especially for a young, yeah. especially for a young kid. I mean,
1: yeah, absolutely.
2: Bike rides are nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So it, it's something that is just absolutely just engraved in your mind.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it was awesome.
2: And. and Did you walk away a believer or did you walk away wondering what the hell it was?
1: No, I, I, I feel like I was a believer. I, and how was it exactly
2: advertised, Mike? Was it advertised as like something mm, unknown or was it advertised as like some, like some sort of humanoid creature?
1: I think it was like a, like a a whole sideshow type advertising of uh, the Minnesota ice man, you know, just, uh, you know, just really hyping up this, this creature that yes. was found and yeah,
2: no, no specifics, just basically essentially what it is. This, uh, this figure I think so. Yeah. Block of ice. I remember right. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, that's yeah. how else would they, I advertise mean, it?
1: yeah. I mean, it's a carnival sideshow type thing. They're going to yeah. hype it as much as they can and they're going to advertise it like that. And so, but yeah,
2: what a great memory though, man. Oh, it
1: is a great memory. Kind of like the memory I have, have when I went to the, the old Fargo theater and saw Star Wars when it first came out.
2: <laughs> it just doesn't leave you, does it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like rubbing that in once. Shut in a up. While.
2: Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> you haven't even watched the book of Boba Fett yet. And I'm ashamed. No, I of haven't, you. but you know, I will. I don't know about you. I really don't Eventually. know. I, exactly. It could be.
1: I finally got into the Mandalorian.
2: You were pretty much on top of that though. I mean, yeah. you weren't too far behind. This is, the book of Boba Fett, Boba Fett was released two months ago, and you haven't even yeah. sniffed at it yet. Yeah. So I'm ashamed of you. So get yep. on it. <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> or not. It's up to you, man. I do recommend it, though. Um, I'm going to read a little bit here just for some facts. And don't worry, boys and girls. I'll fly through as fast as I can. But I have to show my my cool new book to Mike. Um,
1: American Monsters, American yes American
2: Monsters, a history of monster lore legends and sightings in America by Miss Linda S. Godfrey she has a lot of books in this field
1: possible and, guest for the show
2: oh hell, great, good idea yeah, that'd be awesome reach out to Miss Linda S. Godfrey one of America's one of America's foremost experts on mystery creatures there
1: you go, we need that
2: and so this is one of those awesome, like, kind of traveling companion books mm-hmm. that just have a, you know, every chapter is about different legends and you know, supposed legit creatures and yeah. it's whatnot whatnot. like
1: I have that book, uh, Ghosts of Minnesota.
2: Kind of similar. We should yeah. start.
1: We should start picking places like that out of that to go to. Oh
2: God, Mike! There's so many places. Oh shit! Hey, thank you, Mike, because that reminded me I have to do the cheap but necessary uh, <laughs> Patreon plug man we had a great time um investigating the allegedly haunted school in Babbitt Minnesota just this last weekend me and my brother Joe a sometimes guest host on the paranomaly Zone. Mike unfortunately could not join us but he did join us via FaceTime that or... did not work Well it did. It did work. Oh yeah, um, partially. I still have to go through it and see if I can edit okay. out some of that buzz crap out of there. But that's um, right. Um, I will definitely share at least some of it where we can hear you clearly, Mike. Just so, just so you, you're there. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we are going to be making plans soon, Mike, for you to come back. Yes,
1: and, that uh, is a plan.
2: Come back. To uh, come with me back up to Babbitt, Minnesota, and we can check out the school again because Joe obviously is a member of the faculty there, and he can get us in yeah. there. on uh, basically, whenever we want, um, I'm not sure about allowing us to spend a night in the school, Mike, but we'll see. Sure, we'll see.
1: Well, e- even if we can't, that's still worth it.
2: And without giving anything away, uh, a lot of awesome crap has been added to, crap. <laughs> a lot of awesome stuff <laughs> has been added to our Patreon page, including. I don't know, Mike. I'm not. I'm not giving anything away. But my golly gee, Willikers! That audio clip, two audio clips that I shared with you on our last Patreon exclusive. Yes. Awesome. Um, you're you think it's legit? Oh, paranormal. It's, it's unmistakable. Uh,
1: yeah. And that is all in Babbitt, Minnesota, not to be confused with Billy Babbitt. No played by Brad Dourif on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest.
2: Oh, he met a tragic death in that movie.
1: Oh, it was horrible. He but he had a good time and he, he wasn't did. stuttering until no. Nurse Ratchet came in.
2: Flipping Nurse Ratchet. Oof Lord. And then that's that's what made old Jack lose his mind after she yep.
1: uh after that happened. Anyways. Oh, and, and uh Will Sampson, oh <sighs> the ultimate
2: terrific movie, man. Christopher oh, Lloyd, yes. Danny DeVito. Uh anyways, yeah. You know, we're ranting a little bit. Here. Anyway, go check out our Patreon page. If you enjoy the podcast, I guarantee you're going to love our Patreon page. I added ten yeah. more episodes today, Mike. Ten yeah, more and there,
1: episodes. There is stuff on there now that people are gonna just be very happy to listen to.
2: Uh yeah, I definitely hope so. And we're every single ghost investigation that we are going to go on which you have, which we have done so far within the last year Mike every little video audio clip from said ghost investigations are going on our Patreon page right you can join up for as little as $1 a month you'll have access to all of our Patreon exclusive episodes we do record episodes exclusively for Patreon as well as access to the archives, all of our old episodes, hundreds of episodes from the Alternate Rail Podcast and nonsense of cast Radio days, are now available exclusively on our Patreon page. And those
1: are worth the price of admission alone. Wow,
2: that's so that's, <laughs> man! It, it's so fun and but weird to listen to those, man. It, it, oh, it I can really imagine. Is. I haven't, <laughs> oh, Mike. You, you'd enjoy it, man. You'd. Oh, I know. It. I would. I mean, I, I not that long ago, I posted. the I believe it was the second time you were ever on the show. Back really? on Nonsensecast Radio Days, I I titled the episode Talking Life After Death with the Ghost Hunter because you referred to fondly as the Ghost Hunter back in the day. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it's just so fun to listen to Bridget and I rant and rave with you. Uh, you know, this was 2013, 2014. Wow. We're talking old episodes, but not only the super old ones, but All the way up into the name change to the Paranomaly Zone from the Ultimate Out podcast. Uh, We had 300 episodes before the name change to the Paranomaly Zone. Mm. All those are going to be made available on Patreon page, including video exclusive. Uh, Well, yeah, all video audio exclusive from our ghost investigations. Man, there's just so much good stuff on there. I can't even think of all the good stuff. Oh, you want to listen to all of our awesome interviews with paranormal celebrities Chip Coffee, right. Chip Coffee, Jason Hawes, Grant Wilson, uh Amy Allen on down the road, Andrea Perrin, Ron Moorhead, my gosh, uh everyone Amy Bruny, Amy Bruni, Adam Barry. Adam Barry. Steve Gonzalves, Dustin Perry multiple times. Uh the list goes on and on and on. Join our Patreon page because you can't find those anywhere else anymore. I have to say Mike as I texted to you we're sacrificing downloads, streams, right. and views for the better of our Patreon page. I hope it's going to be worth it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Annie, who's yeah, looking, give it a shot. We'd love to see you there for as little as one dollar a month. Okay, Mike, the Minnesota Iceman. Now, I'm which
1: wondering. was also what was actually originally, originally known as a cyber sky creature.
2: The, the what?
1: Yep. Siberski. Siberski. Oh,
2: good Lord. Okay. Okay. Siberski. The Siberski creature. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't understand what you were saying there for a second. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is pulled from the few pages dedicated to the Minnesota Iceman in the book I mentioned, American Monsters, by Linda S. Godfreed. Or, sorry. God, Yeah, Godfrey. I have to read this verbatim. to get my bearings as we go about. So bear with me, boys and girls. Okay, the Minnesota Iceman. As was promised earlier in the book. Well, we didn't promise it earlier because I didn't read that part. There was a, more to the letter written by Terry Cullen to Ivan Sanderson. Oh, Ivan Sanderson. We know the name Ivan Sanderson. Then the description of a small, hairy humanoids in the Mangrove Mountains in the Bahamas. Cullen was excited about what looked like a once-living creature preserved in ice that was then being shown at shopping malls and state fairs across the Midwest. The frozen carcass wasn't easily identifiable as any known species, and despite its hair, it looked too similar to a human for viewers to be certain it was a mere animal. Ivan Sanderson had achieved a reputation for taking mysteries seriously, and Cullen wanted Sanderson to see it And give his opinion as to whether it was a real unknown creature. He went on to describe the creature he'd seen 15 months earlier for Sanderson. This was his description. He said, The public is allowed to see the ventral side and the restricted lateral view. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. The creature is about six foot six inches tall. Culler later said that the number six was a typo and that he meant five feet to five feet three inches tall. Possibly taller as it, as it is somewhat sprawled. So would you say it was closer to five feet or six feet, Mike? Oh, boy. I know it's tough to remember. I'm sorry. It's
1: tough. Yeah, it's hard to say.
2: The body is covered with a dark brown straight hair. With a dark brown straight hair through, though the palms of the hands, soles of the feet, and portions of the face are naked. The creature is a male, as shown by external genitalia.
1: See, I told you.
2: I told you. I <laughs> told you. It is barrel-chested and seemingly well-muscled. The hands and feet are remarkably human with no opposed great toe. It has a quite conspicuous navel. Hmm. Hmm. Do you remember the conspicuous? Don't
1: remember a belly button?
2: <laughs> uh, Cullen then added that the head seemed to have a sagittal crest, which is very common uh, description of... Ape-like cryptids. Many Bigfoot was he? he says the face has a rather broad nose. The eyes are closed.
1: I remember the, that.
2: The mouth is positioned. Uh, sick. There, I can't quite read what he's saying. Of a painful grimace. The teeth are rather rather large. Canines seem to be entirely absent. And on the whole, the head and facial area is more hominin, hominid than. Pongid, pongid. I'm not sure. What, I I, I claimed I don't know what pong. I don't know what pongid means. I I don't mean to say. I yeah, claim I'm I'm, I'm I'm being honest. I don't know what pongid means. I
1: have no idea. Pongid,
2: pongid. Look that up, Mike. P O N. I'm going to look
1: that up while you're.
2: P O N G I D. Pongid. Now it goes on to say that Sanderson didn't take Cullen seriously enough to inspect the exhibit firsthand while in Minnesota. After talking to Cullen during a phone call on December 9th, 1968, Sanderson took some notes. Sanderson noted of which... Oh, shit, I have to backtrack here. Blah, blah, blah. Sanderson wrote some notes of which I have also copied that read, an American is now touring local fairs with the body of an alleged ABSM frozen in a block of ice. This is reported to have been obtained by the Red Chinese who stole it from the Russians. The American got it from the Red Chinese in Hong Kong Harbor. It was apparently found by a Russian fishing trawler which thought it was a seal frozen in the ice. Interesting. As the ice melted somewhat, a monkey-like form became visible. Cullen later said that the Russian ship was Japanese instead of Chinese and eventually the man displaying the exhibit, Frank Hansen, gave an entirely different explanation of how he procured the curious thing saying that he shot it in the woods of Minnesota. Then again... In 1968, the exotic tale of the Russian fishing trawler in Hong Kong Harbor was conveniently difficult to verify, and this remained and this remained the premise under which Sanderson and Dr. Bernard Heuvelmans agreed to examine the specimen. I'm almost done here. Hold, bear with me. The exhibit's custodian, Frank Hansen. I wonder if Frank was there at the mall, Mike. I wonder if Mr. Frank Hansen um, was there.
1: I would imagine so,
2: yeah. Frank Hansen gave Sanderson and the men several hours to examine the creature privately as best they could. Obscured as it was in ice. At the very close inspection, Sanderson seemed to think the strange animal was worth further study. So, I mean, that goes to show you right there. I mean, renowned researcher Ivan Sanderson, upon viewing it up close, still thought it was worth studying. So... We'll, we'll go with it. We'll leave it as that. The owner then stopped exhibiting the original frozen specimen and had at least two copies made of it to use as sideshow attractions. And this is where the whole thing goes askew, goes array, because of those copies that were made. Because then, mm-hmm. we, dive in, then we get into stories about the original being destroyed, the original being right. stolen, uh, which one is which and which one is on display now, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It's a huge mess.
1: Uh, discrepancies in the something on each each different yes. body and yeah and why that might be and uh, it, yeah it gets pretty deep
2: no it does it's a big mess uh the original the original whatever it was disappeared into <laughs> never-ending controversy in the summer of 2013 one of the copies was acquired for exhibition by the museum of the weird in austin texas
1: right that's was sold on ebay yes and, w- and went to that <laughs> yeah good so Lord. i am hoping that um when i saw it it was fairly early i hope in the display of this thing well i don't know how long it took though for it to get to one point, point to the next but i'm hoping that i was there with the actual you the know real one. original creature but it's it's hard to say
2: yeah, there have, been but, uh, alle- there have been allegations that it is that it was a hoax since day one, obviously.
1: Right, exactly. You well, know, just
2: the fact that all those damn copies were made just makes it into such a Yep just a, yep. I, it I d I don't know how to want to describe it. It's just a coagulated mess. You know what I mean by coagulated? Yeah. It's everything is just gelled together, but it doesn't make any sense. There's like all these little parts that are just going in each and every direction. No one knows...
1: Yeah, and an excuse for each one of them.
2: Right. There's an excuse for each one of them.
1: Yes, but Pongid.
2: Yes, tell me what Pongid is.
1: It's a noun, uh, a primate of a family, Pongidae, which comprises the great apes.
2: Well, there you go. Okay.
1: Pongidae. Thank you, Mike. Pongidae of the Pongids is an obsolete... Primate, Texan, containing chimpanzees, gorillas, and orangutans. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> how anyway. You,
2: how did you pronounce that?
1: Orangutans. <laughs> anyway.
2: A couple of interesting tidbits that promoter and exhibitor, Frank Hansen, mm. he stated that the Minnesota Iceman that he was putting on display was discovered in the region of Siberia. And that he was acting simply as its caretaker for an absentee owner he described as a eccentric California millionaire. Now, the thing is, and, that, and what I just read, said that the Iceman was procured originally. I, I want to go back to, that, go back to um, how it was supposedly <coughs> captured. What did I say? Procured? I said it wrong.
1: Procured. procured, procured,
2: procured something. Something like that. <laughs> Oh, don't do that please don't do that <laughs>
1: i was trying to p- pronounce please don't do that
2: don't, I'm, I'm going to go to convulsions if you keep doing that
1: <laughs> uh i have worse noises that you
2: no, can't stand i don't <laughs> want to hear them i don't ever want to hear them <laughs> yeah right here procured yeah because i
1: yes uh, procured
2: Frank Hansen gave it the same Frank Hansen gave an entirely different explanation of how he procured the curious thing, saying that he shot it in the woods of Minnesota. Okay, that's why I read right here. Frank yes, Hansen exactly. said he shot it in the woods of Minnesota. Right. Then I go here and read what I just read to you where he said the Iceman was discovered in the region of Siberia. Right. Two quotes yes. from the same promoter.
1: Mm-hmm. I call bullshit there somewhere. <laughs> Actually, there was a description of it, too, as uh, one of the eyeballs were hanging out of the socket because of uh, from being shot in the back of the head.
2: Good Lord. I don't like that. (laughs) Uh, It says here that Canada customs officials were concerned that Hanson was actually transporting a a cadaver and that the FBI was informed that the subject might potentially be a human murder victim. Hmm. But the invest the agency did not investigate simply due to many believing it was a hoax. Huh, man, Mike, this, this Hanson guy, he sounds a lot like a lot of the Bigfoot hoaxers that we talked about. On oh, the- right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is no, no joke. Here. Or, this would or have been a great new.
1: question for uh, any of, any of uh, the uh, Bigfoot aficionados that we have had or, Hope to have on. Oh, sure.
2: Oh of course. Of course.
1: What their thoughts are on this whole thing?
2: Oh, uh, we all know the name Charles Napier or John Napier. We know John mm-hmm. Napier, a, a proclaimed primatologist, a guy who was actually open to the idea of an actual Bigfoot existing. Hmm. He was asked to investigate the uh, Minnesota Iceman by the Smithsonian Institution. Very mm. interesting. Hansen subsequently withdrew the Minnesota Iceman from public inspection. (laughs) Go figure. Saying that the withdrawal was on orders from its California-based owner. Oh, sure it was, Mr. Hansen. Hansen later provided a new Iceman for exhibit, of course, one of the copies. Described by observers as a latex model that was clearly different from the original. And Napier went on to uh, basically say that the Smithsonian Institution is satisfied that the creature is simply a carnival exhibit uh, exhibit made of latex rubber and hair. But then again, uh, Hansen claims that that was a copy, that the original was Mm -hmm. sent back to the owner, the eccentric California millionaire and and i'm just gonna i look. believe
1: that was actually found to be tiny tim
2: was it tiny tim oh wow so he has or he has yeah a, i don't know he has a cadaver of a bigfoot floating in a tulip somewhere there i guess um
1: he, even in life tiny tim looked like the cadaver <laughs> of, <laughs> of a. <laughs> was, anyway
2: i don't know why i, I said am, floating through the tulips i meant tiptoeing through the tulips yes. that was that was his song right Tip-toe,
1: tiptoe i would rather float tip-toe. through tulips than tiptoe that would be awesome
2: what an awful song
1: i would that. like that
2: awful song i'm sorry for any tiny just tin like
1: a of quarter them. of an inch above them just so you can smell them but you're floating <laughs> over them and every once in a while dipping down so you're kind of <sighs> in the tulips and then coming back up all the while smelling tulips and getting the pollen on your back when you're floating above them
2: I thought you were Wouldn't say, that be
1: great? I, I would you, love that.
2: I thought you were going to say all the while smelling tiny <sighs> Tim or something like that. Oh no! No 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 no! Oh, you don't you don't like how nope. tiny? Well, Tim's Tiny
1: now? Tim could be playing in the background while this is all going on. No,
2: I don't want him. I don't want to hear him play. <laughs> ever. That
1: song freaks Mary out so it. bad. I hate it. So of course I play it. No, you know, every once in a while, put it on. <laughs> it's terrible. But she, oh, she cannot stand it's, it.
2: <laughs> it's terrible. I agree with Mary 195% on that. Yep. That song should be obliterated from planet Yep. <laughs> well, Mike, you know, in 2013, all those, you know, everything just went to hell. I mean, it went to hell before that, too. But all these claims of copies being made and, you know, with Hanson saying that the original was sent back to the California owner, the millionaire-centric California owner. <sighs> Final thoughts, Mike. Let's do it. One last take. You have to Mm -hmm. choose real or fake. Mm -hmm. Talk about it for a little bit and how you lean one way and how you maybe lean the other before you give the final final reveal. But, yeah, let's talk about the Minnesota Iceman. One last take. Our final thoughts. Go ahead. You any oh you want me to start? Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know why is because he's starting to chug back some beer, so he wants time for that.
2: <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking right now. So
1: no, actually, yeah. I you know, even with my personal experience with seeing this thing, which uh, you know, to me at that time I walked away from there, like I said, believing this hundred percent. And it's affected me even to this day. It's such a great memory, um, and but you know at that time I didn't know anything about it except that this how they hyped it. You know, to me it was real. Um, I grew up for years, you know, believing or you know leaning towards more uh, still that it's a, a just a fascinating possibility of of being real even. Sure. Um then you know the more you learn about it and the more you, you still want to believe that it's real. Um there's there's just too many ifs, there's too many changes in the story, there's too many uh you know uh uh so much uh um oh what's the word? <sighs> I don't know. It's just, you know, you, you well, well, feel... Well, I'm not, I'm not going
2: to let you go on that one. What What are you trying to say? What word are you um, trying to think of? Like, I mean, I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot and make no, you feel silly, uh, but you're, you were going somewhere. Discrepancies, there's
1: too many, uh, <clears throat> too much... Um. Uh, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I can't think of the word.
2: Like, like it's one of those
1: things that's right on the tip of your tongue.
2: So there's just too much... I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, though, Mike. Um... Are you, are you trying to suggest that there just, there's too much, I guess, for lack of a better term, evidence that simply proves it to be a hoax <laughs> too much, uh, not even circumstantial evidence. I mean, there it's, it's there, what people yeah. have studied, what people far more intelligent yeah. and educated than I or you simply by looking at it and say, yeah, that's that's a fake. I mean, it's not saying that I'm not saying that you or I would not be able to look at it and say, yeah, that's fake. Cause right. I'm sure we would be able to, I'm sure our listeners would be able to.
1: Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Um,
2: I'm,
1: I'm trying the, to, I'm
2: trying to find out what word you're thinking of, but that's, you fine. know, that's well, fine. There, there's
1: <laughs> even, even with this promoter, um, changing his story, the same guy, like having two different stories for, yes, you know, the same thing same thing and
2: how he came about it. So yeah, it's like, Oh yeah, absolutely shot it in Minnesota. And then the other one, Oh, I, it was found in Siberia. Well, which one is exactly.
1: And the fact that it was, it was such a sideshow freak show. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just, you know, this guy is obviously just wanting to make money. You know, he was making his little bits here on his, this tour, but he was probably making, Plenty of money, uh, other ways with this thing, and uh, it, it's just a sideshow. I mean, to me, it's uh, it's 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 fake to me. There you go. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's just uh, uh, does like that, I said, a does side that hurt show. you
2: Does that hurt you to say that, Mike?
1: <laughs> no, it didn't because okay, good, it, good. No matter how fake it is now, when I was a kid and the experience I had with it then. And what I took away from, from being there with what I took with me when I left there is always going to be there.
2: That's, that's that That, everlasting memory and that feeling that's just always going to be there for you.
1: That feeling of a a kid excited to see this, this, uh, Bigfoot, you know, the Sasquatch, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I'll always keep that with me. Even if, you know, I know that it was fake. You or know, whatever. So
2: even so, in a weird, bizarre, twisty way, this essential, essentially fraud promoter can almost be looked at serving a little bit of good, just for the entertainment. Oh, sure. Just for the entertainment purposes.
1: Absolutely. Even now, as an adult,
0: mm-hmm. if
1: something like this came through, you know, like, uh, um,
2: oh, you'd go and you see know, it.
1: Like this. Like this weekend at the VFW, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, a frozen Bigfoot uh, on display. Um, a frozen I would st-
2: podcast co-host yeah, on display. I would
1: still there's, want to go see it. There's me.
2: They mistake me for a little chimpanzee, though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a little, a little child oranutan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> un- one one arm much longer than what it should be uh, resting above your head
2: <laughs> I think this is the frozen unborn fetus of a gorilla
1: yes <laughs> yeah and and if you look closely through the milky ice you can see the shape of a testicle and a small penis <laughs> <laughs>
2: completely sh- completely shorn of hair <laughs> Uh, no no with very
1: stubbly curly red hair oh god hair. no come on no. No, no,
2: no. <laughs>
1: very orangish. No. okay no anyway um I, I would still orange. go and see it just for the campiness of it and and the and just to enjoy the hype that would be all around it i mean um if i you know if there are little kids going up there and if i could see little kids with me as an adult seeing little kids going up there to see this thing and see the excitement that they have, and, yeah. the, and the belief that they have. I would love that.
2: That's a good point.
1: That is, you know, it it would still be fun, so especially if they sold like mini donuts or something
2: well, at go. the same time. No, it's always nice to put a, like a, a positive spin on anything. If 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 possible, it's always nice to put a positive spin on. But yeah. I, obviously, I'm not I'm not going to beat around the bush. I think it's a bunch of hogwash. Sure. So it, I, I but I'm not going to dismiss it entirely because at one point in my life, Mike, I was open to the idea as well. I mean, it was years and years and years ago, but when I first came across um uh the story of the Minnesota Iceman, you know, as longtime listeners know, I've had a lifelong fascination with Bigfoot and Sasquatch and Yeti, the abominable snowman, what have you, ever since I was a, a wee little lad in middle school, you know? Mm-hmm. And I absolutely believe in their existence and this story was utterly intriguing but yeah you just look at it it's obvious to me it's obviously a a bunch of BS which is you know it's that's just how it is to me so I'm not going to beat around the bush and that's how it is in my opinion but still fascinating in its own right my opinion that's all I'm saying well damn it Mike I think it's time to wrap up the show I can't thank you enough my friend I I hope this has been fairly fairly fun for you buddy Oh,
1: absolutely. You know, even without any alcohol, I had a great time, and I think I pulled it off fairly well.
2: I think that's like the 90th time you've mentioned no alcohol. (laughs)
1: Hey, I'm proud of myself. I can do it. I can do it. Okay. All
2: right. Well, uh, thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, It's been a blast, as always, Mike. Until next time. Oh, yeah. By the way, go check out the Patreon page. (laughs) Mike, until next time, (laughs) what do our awesome listeners need to do, my friend?
1: Well, first of all, they need to remember that we all, we love you all very much and we appreciate you. And then after that, in great parentheses, with an exclamation mark, peace out.